Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Patrick Yelm, CIO at Lincoln Community Hospital and Care Center. In this segment, he talks about the promise vendors make prior to an implementation that always gives him pause, the two-fold strategy his team is using to improve the patient experience, and why having a robust patient portal will factor significantly into their EHR selection process. And then I, I guess as you get further along, that's when decisions will have to be made as far as if you do need to bring in additional people and how exactly that's going to happen. Yes. Um, I think given our workflows, given our volumes, and given what the vendors that we're kind of in, interacting with now are telling us, I think we should be able to get through the implementation with, without additional staff. One of the things that I've, I've always very leery of when, when kind of working with your electronic health record vendors, that they promise you that, hey, if you implement our system, you're actually going to be able to cut staff because we'll be able to do a lot of this work for you or our system right. will elim eliminate some of these workflows. I have yet to see that actually come to fruition. And honestly, it doesn't even factor into the decision. We are the largest employer in our respective community and cutting staff is not on the business model. We want to redefine those positions and make us more efficient, more patient facing, more service oriented versus, you know, back end workflow data entry. But the goal is to retain as many staff members as possible if we can avoid hiring additional staff, that would be a for sure bonus, but it doesn't necessarily factor into the decision as to which vendor to choose. It shouldn't anyway. Yeah. And then you also mentioned revenue cycle as a, as a priority. What's kind of your strategy there? Well, when I was asked to come in and start working on the revenue cycle side of things, it was my first real foray into healthcare billing. The first year was, it was like drinking from a fire hose. I bet. <laughs> and I receive probably as many emails from Medicare and Medicaid on a daily basis that I do from my own internal staff talking about billing updates, common related problems that you have with getting claims paid. Uh, the state of Colorado just recently went through um, a contractor change with Medicaid early last year. And there were a whole host of challenges that not just us but other facilities were kind of going through as a result of this transition. Thankfully, the state has been kind enough to work with us and some of the other rural hospitals to get those challenges resolved. But in terms of learning and trying to adjust to the way revenue cycle is supposed to work, having some of those other outward pressures definitely complicated things. But my big focus was trying to take us from having a higher than average turnaround time on getting claims paid, trying to get the, the turnaround time on those on payment down as much as possible, increasing our day's cash on hand and just kind of trying to integrate a lot of the disparate data that was coming through some of our systems. Those were my, my big focuses. Those have changed over the past year. Uh, our facility has gotten uh, much more efficient on getting you know, bills out the door, getting payment followed up on. Now that we've got a lot of our data kind of consolidated into one area, now it's trying to identify those bottlenecks that would otherwise keep us from being able to move forward. We had to learn what we didn't know, and now that we know what we're looking for, it's trying to decide what to do with those pieces of data that we're now grabbing our hands onto. Right. Okay. And then you also mentioned you know, improving the, the patient experience. Can you talk about what you hope to do there? And, and imagine that this is an area where it really factors in being a rural facility where, as you alluded to before, patients have to travel a long way to get mm -hmm. care. Yes. In terms of patient experience, and I'll kind of go back to the revenue cycle part of the discussion. You know, most people think of revenue cycle as, you know, getting a bill out the door and getting payment. The revenue cycle process actually starts the moment somebody walks into the front door of the facility and the person at the front desk says hello. Everybody, every person that touches the patient, that patient record along the process is, is now part of revenue cycle. So in terms of improving the patient experience, 
there's two sides to that. There, there's improving the patient experience for the ones that are able to come to our facility, and then there's improving the patient experience for those patients that may not have other means to come in and be seen by a healthcare provider. Right. Um, a couple of the things that we're rolling out this year, um, online bill pay, a cleaner statement process. One of our big decision uh, makers for an electronic health record is how well does the patient portal work? How functional is it for your patients? What type of return can they get by using the portal? A lot of the excuses, and I have no other better word for this, a lot of the excuses I've heard in the past from other rural facilities is, well, you know, our patients don't want that. You know, our patients want, want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. They, they don't want to get on their computer or they don't want to get on their smartphone to, to right. own their own health record. I used to believe that, but even over the last six months, I've seen such a huge change in, in the adoption of, you know, mobile devices by some of the population that has traditionally been overlooked as being too antiquated to want to use these form factors. My mother was, was one who was probably the most vehement about not using a smartphone. Well, I, I got on one day, got her enrolled on her own patient portal. She lives in Kansas, and she spends almost as much time looking at her health record as she does playing Candy Crush now because it's something <laughs> she can do. She's engaged yeah. with her providers. Right. Um, so it's, it's really trying to look at how easy can we make you the steward of your own record. That is probably one of the most heavily weighted metrics we're looking at as we make our overall decision. Another area where our facility is unique, um, because we are located right along I-70, we have a huge population of uh, patients that come to us that are just transient, that are traveling through the area. So we're wanting to pick an electronic health record that uses the ability to share and exchange information between systems um, agnostically. So that if somebody's coming through who happens to be driving to Denver to go up into the mountains to ski, has a medical emergency, we're able to get information from their record, from all of the other places that they've, that they've gone to, as well as being able to share the information that, that we acquire from them as part of their visit with us. We want to make sure that we can get it out to their providers as well and have them interact with that data as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that, that's, those are the patients that are able to come to us. One of the big initiatives that we're moving forward with, and we're actually um, kind of a front runner in this area, we're really starting to roll out uh, behavioral health telehealth services. It's very exciting. Yeah, we, yeah. we actually were, ju we were just awarded a USDA grant about four months ago to implement a telehealth solution. Um, it's the first grant of its nature that was, was awarded in the state of Colorado. We feel incredibly fortunate to be the recipient of the grant. And we're in the process and very, very early stages of deciding how we're going to roll this out. We found that the low-hanging fruit and probably the area of greatest need, and that's kind of, again, how we're tackling this. What's that fire right in front of me that needs my attention? Um, behavioral health is, is a fantastic opportunity for us. We're in the process of setting up telehealth stations at four other hospitals uh, across our, our area that don't have their own behavioral health services like in-house um, as a way to start you know, providing those services to their patients. We're actually uh, wanting to bundle the telehealth service with a community paramedicine program that would actually allow our, our paramedics and our transportation services to go out to the patient's home to get the uh, telehealth equipment set up in their homes so that they can start to interact with their primary care physicians, not only at our facility, but with other primary care specialists who you know, may be located in Denver, in Boulder, in some of the more populous areas, so that they don't necessarily have to drive into the city. It's a pretty big initiative that we're very, very pleased to kind of be spearheading. Yeah. It's one of the things that doesn't really get quite enough attention, but there is such a shortage of behavioral health specialists, especially in certain areas, and it can be so difficult for patients to even get in, get in in the first place. Well, and think about it from patients' perspective, the ones that are able to travel. Uh, our community right now, we have a, a mental health clinic, but, you know, if John Smith drives down, and, you know, wants to go see his behavioral health therapist, 
I know what his vehicle looks like. So does Mary, who lives right up the street. So there's, there's that stigma that's associated, you know, with dealing with mental health issues. And so the fact that they can click a button on their phone or, you know, their laptop and actually have a face-to-face visit with a provider that nobody is aware of, I mean, it, it has to help make that dialogue a little bit easier versus, you know, here, I have my visit with my therapist, and then I'm, like, standing out in front of the clinic waiting for all the cars to drive by so I can go get out in my truck and leave without anybody seeing me. Right. You know, it's, it's just the logistic and, and the person side of that, too. Yeah. I mean, let alone, let alone the reimbursement, the staffing, the challenges that come, you know, with, with dealing with uh, patients that have mental health. So we, we feel like it's going to be a win for everyone. Um, and it's something that is long, long overdue. The funding and the reimbursement is now starting to align with the human nature side or, or the human aspect of this discussion. So it's very exciting, long overdue. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.